Good morning. Welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith. I'm Naye Lupondwana. We have heard a conversation. We did engage in an hour-long conversation, relatively, about the Bible, asking the question, is the Bible the true word of God? For all Christians and people who are propagating that the Bible is, had all that to say. But then again, it is not the only document that leads the world as far as is as its claim of being the word of God. We have the Torah, we have the Big Ratan, we have the Quran. It seems as though we have a list of books that claim that they are the true word of God. So today we tackle yet another book, the Quran, asking the very same question we asked about the Bible. Is the Quran the true word of God? Let me state this outright. This conversation is not meant to undermine the Quran or Islam. Just like our conversation about the Bible was never meant to undermine the Bible or Bible adherents like Christians in the Torah, the, Muslim, the, the Jews. We do, however, seek factual information that will help us understand how you, as people who believe in the Quran, arrive at the conclusion that the Quran is the Word of God. If an actual fact it is the Word of God, surely you must be able to share with us your sources of information and your evidence to back up that claim. If you're going to call and say this is your opinion, kindly label that as your opinion and not fact. We will not stop you from sharing your opinions, but we must know that what you're saying is an opinion. And if it is a fact, then please share some evidence to back it up. This is what we're doing for now up until 11. Trying to get to the bottom of the question, is the Quran really the word of God? Facts of Faith begins right now. You're listening to Facts of Faith on SAFM. The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or of that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Facts of Faith begins right now. And now let me introduce you to our guests for this morning. We have two. We have Yusuf Ismail, an attorney at Legal Aid South Africa and a consultant with the Islamic Propagation Center International. Yusuf Ismail, good morning to you and thank you for agreeing to talk to us. Good morning and thank you for having me on your program. And also we do have Sheikh Rafiq Hassan from the Islamic Interfaith Research Institute. He is the founder and director of the Islamic Interfaith Research Institute. Good morning to you, Sheikh, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Sheikh, are you there? 
Yes, I'm here. Good morning and thank you very much for going thank to talk you. to us. All right. Let's get down to the number of the issue. I suppose because you're both Muslims, you both believe that the Quran is the true word of God. Would that assumption be correct, Sheikh? Yeah, uh, that's correct. Uh, but not only do we say that the Quran is the word of God now, we, we believe that God revealed, uh, you know, the books to, uh, to, you know, all the prophets, you know, Abraham and uh, Noah and Moses and Jesus, peace be upon him. So divine, we believe in all the divine books that was revealed to all the prophets uh, that God sent to humanity. Okay. When you're saying all, are you saying all regardless of whether it is part of the Muslim faith or not? Well, on that point, we, we believe that all prophets that came were prophets sent by the same God who preached the same religion, so the same message. So we don't make a distinction. A Muslim cannot be a Muslim if he does not believe in Moses and Jesus and Abraham and peace be upon all the prophets that sent. So, yeah, we, we are saying we believe in all the revelation. Chapter 2 of the Quran, in verse uh, 62, it tells us there that we believe in all the prophets that were sent uh, to humanity and all the revelations that was given to them. Does that include prophets that came after Muhammad? Uh, well, that's the one thing. We believe the final uh, revelation of, of, was the Quran and the final messenger that God sent to humanity with the final revealed book is the Quran. All right. So effectively, you don't believe in all the books, divine books. You believe in all books that came before you and you believe you are the final one. That's correct. We believe... Uh, in the Quran as the final divine revelation to and including that that came to Moses and Jesus and all the prophets before council I suppose you also believe that the Quran is the final and the true word of God Yusuf Ismail well Naya, just as a journalist maybe we could apply certain standards here. you know in journalism you ask certain fundamental questions who what where when and why specifically in investigative reporting and so when you apply that principle, and I just want to put a qualifier here, that correct, we do accept the revelation given to prophets of God. But we basically believe that the existing scriptures in the world today do not necessarily uh, conform to what may have been revealed, uh, historically speaking, at those particular points in time. Now, when you apply the standards that journalists ask, and any investigative journalist, for example, would ask, apply to the text of the Qur'an, one can basically see that at the outset the Quran identifies itself as the Word of God, not just on its own identifying itself as the Word of God. You know, it's effectively meaningless. Any book, anyone can make that particular claim. But from a purely literary style and a linguistic style, any outsider or any atheist who actually approaches the book and reads it would come to the conclusion or that this book would appear to be as if God himself is speaking. So, for example, just a classic random example, Surah 6, verse 92. This is a revelation which we send down, bringing blessings and confirming what came before. Do they not consider the Qur'an worth care? Had it been from other than God, they would have found therein many discrepancies. In other words, you've got a falsifiable test which says that if this book has discrepancies, it can cease to be the Word of God. Now, the distinction between that and the text and the literary style of the Qur'an with other religious scriptures in the world today is that most of the other religious literature as they are existing today are biographical in nature. So, for example, if you look at the Pentateuch, if you look at the New Testament, you'd find biographical accounts about so-called prophets of God that existed in time, whereas the stylistic rendering of the Quranic text is as if God himself 
basically speaking. So the assumption one can draw from that is that either it is God who is speaking, or either the prophet was deceiving the people and deceiving the masses by making the particular claim that this is in fact God is speaking. But what is quite interesting is that in today's uh, conventional studies, there have been a multitude of scholars, scholars from the School of Oriental and African Studies, um, um, uh, scholars from the International um, Quranic Studies, someone like Angelica Neuber, who is a distinguished professor of Quranic studies, she's argued that in the context of the 6th century, and of course in the 21st century, the Quran has been successfully challenged. And what she finds quite interestingly is that it's become a source of embarrassment for many Western researchers. In other words, they're unable to clarify how suddenly in an environment in the 6th century where there was no historical precedent of a written text, that the Quran suddenly appears to a man who is illiterate with its richness of ideas and the numerous rhetorical devices in the text. It doesn't make logistical sense otherwise, or, or, or linguistic sense, unless, of course, one can concede that this is, in fact, something that emanates from the divine. And just to conclude on that particular point, is that if you look at that period when the Quran was revealed, the Arabs at that time had reached a linguistic a peak in terms of linguistic competence and sciences, in terms of poetry. But no one has been able to provide a single chapter similar to that of the Quran insofar as its stylistic rendering is concerned. And this is Arab and non-Arab. And it's been conceded by both um, you know, Muslim and non-Muslim scholars throughout history. Um, the text of the Quran seems to be un- unimpeachable. The language of the Quran, the fact that there's mentions of certain natural phenomena in the Quran which have been only confirmed in the uh, part of the 20th century. So on these and other issues, you find that whenever, if you look at the French scholar Paul Casanova, when people asked the Prophet for a miracle as proof of the authenticity of the Quranic text, he obviously quoted the composition of the Quran and its incomparable excellence as proof of its divine origin. And so we need to make a distinction that, yes, we do believe in the revelation given to Jesus, to Moses, to David, but that, that the, in, the, the, the scriptures that you have in today's time, um, from an academic point of view, do not necessarily, for example, conform to what may or may not have been revealed to them. And this is, this is confirmed um, today in textual criticism studies and even indeed in Quranic studies. So this is, we, need, we need to have an objective standard. Certainly people can have a belief. And I would be the first to challenge someone who just simply makes a bold, open-ended claim that this is the Word of God. You need to have certain criteria. And if you as a journalist were to look at the criteria that you use in investigative journalism, you'd find that it passes a test on numerous facts and on numerous grounds. On that you'd be gravely mistaken, sir. And I'd encourage you not to speak about the other books because they're not here to defend themselves. I will encourage you, however, to share with us the evidence you're alleging exists that renders the Quran impeachable. For example, when we speak about the Quran, we're speaking about a document that was revealed allegedly to Muhammad by the angel Jibreel that has never been evidenced. Or do you have any evidence to substantiate that claim? Okay. Uh, just yeah, let's 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 let Yusuf Ismail respond right. to that. Hold on, uh, Sheikh. Would like Yusuf Ismail to respond to that. Okay. Okay. Well, from the first perspective, in terms of revelation and in terms of revealing the Quran by the angel Gabriel, the Quran, in fact, identifies that particular point. It says that this is indeed revelation from God. Now, obviously, a lot of it depends on faith that individuals were not there. There are no eyewitness testimony other than, of course, his immediate contemporaries that basically saw that. But when you, for example, find phenomenon 
that the Prophet Muhammad, for example, there is in Islamic tradition a secondary source material whereby you have the sayings of the Prophet. Now, this is called the Hadith tradition. These are the sayings of the, uh, the, the Prophet Muhammad's personal speech. Now, if you look at the Prophet Muhammad's personal speech as contained in the Hadith literature, which is secondary source material, linguistic research has been conducted to compare the style of his speech found in the Quran with thousands of statements made by Muhammad in what we would call the prophetic traditions and as memorized by the companions. And what uh, many scholars have come to the conclusion that if the Quran was indeed a product of Muhammad's mind, then how is it possible that you have someone that can maintain two distinct styles of speech patterns over a period of 23 years without com- combining the two styles? With respect, Mr. Ismail, you're not responding to my question. And psychological impossibility. Mr. Ismail, yes. with respect, you do not answer my question. Well, I've, I've given you in response to the question that you basically asked, how do we know that this is basically from the Archangel? No, that was not, that was not my question. I was asking for you to share with us the evidence that renders the Quran impeachable as far as that allegation is concerned. If you're saying that the angel Gabriel gave the information to the, the Prophet Muhammad, do we have any evidence to substantiate that claim? That is obviously of divine origin. Is that your question? Do we have evidence that the text that we have here is of divine origin? No, sir. That is a question of faith. I'm not asking a question of faith right now. I'm asking a question of evidence. As an attorney, I'm sure you understand what evidence is. By by, by academic scholars in the world of Quranic studies today. You, for example, have John Burton, who was a student of the late scholar John Wansborough. In his book, The Collection of the Quran, which was written in the 1980s, he stated that the text that we have today of the Quranic text can basically be dated, the mushaf can be dated to the text that existed during the time of the Prophet Muhammad. In 1973, there were researches conducted um, by uh, discoveries that were made in Yemen, in Sana'a. Um, the Yemeni's government basically commissioned two German scholars. One was called Kharpun, and they basically studied these particular manuscripts that were discovered in Sana'a. They are now um, uh, done in Germany, and when they did carbon dating on these particular texts, they dated them to the very lifetime of the Prophet, which is a few years after his particular demise. More recently, you have in 2014 or 2015, in Birmingham, we had a discovery of manuscripts called the Minjana manuscripts, which in fact go even earlier than the Sana manuscripts, and that in fact dates to the early part of the sixth century, the, the time when the Hijra, when the migration, in fact, took place. And I think what you find today is being confirmed by what Orientalists and other scholars have mentioned in the 18th and 19th century. I mean, in the 19th century, you had someone like William Mir. He was a critic of Islam. He wrote a biography of the Prophet, which was quite critical. And he stated that back then, there has never been a text which has remained 12 centuries, which is obviously in the 18th centuries, with so pure a text other than the Quran. So in terms of the textual veracity of the text, the scholarly consensus throughout the world has been that what we have today as the Quran, particularly insofar as the continental skeletal text is, is identical to what basically was given to the Prophet in the 6th century. And this is universally acknowledged. Now, Again, you are substantiating something that, that needs no substantiation at this point, Mr. Ismail. At this point, I was not asking about the veracity of what Muhammad said. What I'm asking you is evidence of the interaction between the angel Jibreel can, can, and can the I prophet Muhammad. That, yeah. Yes, go ahead, Sheikh. Look, uh, the Quran, firstly, the Quran itself testifies to that in chapter 2, verse 97. 
In chapter 2, internally, the Quran says that this revelation has been given by God through the archangel Gabriel to the prophet Muhammad. So that's in the Quran. And then, you know, when he had that first revelation and the angel Gabriel gave it to him and told him, read, and he said, I cannot read. And then he told him, now repeat, just repeat after me these five verses, which he did. And he went the next day to his, uh, uh, you know, wife, beloved wife, and told her what happened. And she took him to her uncle, Waraka bin Nofal, who, it's all in the tradition, who was a Christian priest of the time. And he said, you are the prophet and received the revelation as prophesied in our books in Deuteronomy 18.18, where God said, I'll raise a prophet from among the brethren of Moses, peace be upon him, and I will put my words in his mouth. And Isaiah said, you know, and he, he quotes Isaiah, and he says, in chapter 29, verse 11, Isaiah says, and a book is given to him, and he says, I cannot read, you know, and that's exactly what happened. He says, you are that final messenger, and that's the final revelation which was foretold in Deuteronomy and Isaiah. So I'm giving you evidence because, remember, we said we believe in all the prophets as one fraternity and all back each other up in terms of the divine revelation. Okay. I'm going to state this clearly so that we're moving on. We all are on the same page. The very same tests that I'm putting to you through are same tests that I put the Christian Bible through. And if I did not ask you the questions that I asked the pastors who spoke about the Bible, I would be unfair on them. Hence, I am requesting you humbly to share with us evidence. If there is no evidence, let us agree that there is no evidence to back up the claim that the angel Gabriel gave it to Muhammad. Let us just take it by faith, not as a matter of evidentiary material. Can well, we agree on that? I gave you an evidence, Nai, that uh, the evidence is why it's in the Quran itself there's evidence and the Bible itself has evidence and historically... Uh, uh, you know, it was verified that he received this revelation and carried on for the next But that's what you're saying, sir. Let Quran. me state... So when you mean the evidence, you mean I've given two texts, one from the Quran and one from the religion, because it was the religious scriptures, it was the family... Let me give you an example, sir. Let me give you an example... I'm giving you text, I'm giving you quotations. Yes, let me that's give you an fact. example, Sheikh. It's not Sheik. opinion, it's not faith. I'm giving you from religious texts and from historical facts. With respect, Sheikh, it is, it is a matter of faith, not a fact. Let me give you an example about you, you and I. I'm giving you the facts. Uh, allow me, allow me to fix you. Allow me to, allow me to clarify okay, what exactly sure. what I'm requesting you gentlemen to do. If I am going to claim that one of you gave me a document, and then I am caught with a document, and I'm asked, give us the, when the court, Mr. Ismail, requests me to prove that you gave me that document, I cannot say, here, it is written on the document that you gave me that document. We need to be able to verify that in actual fact, you gave me that document. A writing on a piece of paper that says this document was given to this person is not in and by itself evidence. As Mr. Ismail as an attorney will appreciate, even that which is documented needs to be proven that it is an actual authentic document. Even signatures require authentication. Letters, deeds of wills and all those documents require authentication. Now, I'm not even talking about authenticating the actual document. I'm talking about the claim that I will say it is Ismail. Uh, Mr. Ismail who gave me the document or Mr. Hassan gave me the document. I must be able to prove that or else it remains a matter of hearsay. It is my claim that remains unsubstantiated. And as far as we're having a conversation right now, it's a matter of faith. 
respectfully so. You want us to believe it because it's written somewhere. When somebody writes something somewhere else and we date it today, can you say that I got that from the angel Gabriel? No, I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you. You are aware of how things, in fact, operate in court. But basically, you. I think if you looked at the initial premise when I started this discussion with you, I, I mentioned certain criteria that you need to use when analyzing the Quran. Basically, what you're asking for is, do we have any evidence of the fingerprint of God in the Quranic text? That's basically, in a manner of speaking, proverbially, what you're asking for. Now, I did mention that. From a literary stylistic point of view, there's evidence which indicates that it appears to be. It appears to be. You may not there accept it, but it appears to be as if God is, for example... All right, so we're example. using extrapolation one, right one now. Point, but I need, to, I need to make this point clear. I need to make this particular point clear. When you, for example, have within the Quranic text information which could not be known by a man living in the 6th century but is in fact discovered at a much later point in history. Then we need to ask a reasonable, logical question. Otherwise, it's stupid. We have to ask a question, where did this man get this particular information from? Where did he get the information from which cannot be known to a man living in the 7th century? For example, I'll give you one example, a practical example. Today, science tells us that a modern discovery, that the universe is in fact continuously expanding. It's one of the most prominent facts that were discovered in the 20th, uh, 20th century. Quite interestingly enough, in 5147 of the Quran, chapter 51, verse 47, it says, And the firmaments, we have constructed it with strength, and indeed it is ever expanding. And the Arabic word used for expansion is lamusi'una, which means that God, in his matter of speaking, continuously expanding it. Now, in the 6th century, how does someone, if this is his own uh, particular writings, um, have and present information with modern discoveries that the universe is in fact expanding. When you, for example, take it further, if you look at the discovery of the embryo, if you look at Professor Keith Moore in the 80s, he wrote a book called The Discovery, um, The Developing Human, which is now a standard textbook in medical universities throughout the world. There is a text in the Quran, in Surah 23, which describes the earliest stage of the development of the human embryo as alka. Okay. Now, alaka means... Uh, hold on, before we even... We're digressing now. Hold on, Mr. Mr. Iswa. Yes. Let's, let's come back. All right. So, you believe because it is written in the Quran, therefore there is evidence. That's what you believe. No, no, I didn't say that. I, I said right. that's the first point. The second right. point I said... We have to move on to other... contained in the Quran. You're not listening, Maya. Yes, Mr. Ismail, you're repeating... Mr. Ismail, you're repeating an answer that we have already heard. I would like us to move on no, to other questions. you're not questions. taking cognizance of the particular responses. I think you're glossing over the answers I'm presenting to you. M Mr. I Ismail... Gave you, I gave you a practical example. I said, if you have information that should not be known to a man in the 6th century, and he's only discovered in the 20th century, where does a man in the 6th century get this particular information? Okay. Is this a decent question that a journalist should be asking? Actually, you would be question that a gravely be mistaken yet again, Mr. Ismail. I'm saying again, first of all, right now, what I think is irrelevant, what is most relevant is what you are giving and the people will decide for themselves what they want. All right? I'm simply saying now, if you believe that this is what you want us to believe? Fine, we'll move on. Can we but answer other I'm, questions? Not what I'm believing is what scholars are basically saying. If a non-Muslim scholar, if a scholar of Quranic studies make these particular pronouncements, why are you not considering them? I'm not basically speaking from a point of faith. If I were to speak from a point of faith, you have all the right to challenge me. But when I present to you tangible evidence and information, surely as a journalist you've got a duty to consider that and not just simply you know, gloss over that particular fact. And I gave you a particular point. 
how do you explain the fact that a man in the 6th century has um, pronouncements on numerous facts in history okay. and science which can only be discovered in the 20th century? Is that a reasonable question to With ask? With respect, to you are, you're repeating yourself, sir. Let's move on to the next question. We have many other faiths that have that very same claim and referencing their own documents. Do you believe that those documents have the right as the Quran to be regarded as the true word of God since you're offering the very same form of evidence? People have a right to make many claims in respect of their religious texts. And I think as an outside observer, one needs to basically examine what is presented before us. So, for example, if you've got the Bible, I'm not attacking it. If someone says, look, this is the Word of God, this is the evidence that I'm basically presenting to justify and substantiate my position, then I've got a right to look at it. Now, likewise, when someone basically presents in the context of the Quran information to you on numerous issues, then certainly you also have a right to make an assessment. And, of course, it's for the outside observer to make that conclusion. We're not forcing people to basically... Uh, imp have an impositional sense, accept this, or you're going to get killed. That, okay. That's totally, because the Quran says, let there be no compulsion in religion, for truth stands out distinct from falsehood. So people have a right to believe what they want to. But I, I, cannot, I, I cannot be seen to be repeating myself when I'm asking a legitimate question that the linguistic style of the Prophet in personal conversation differs from the Quranic text, the fact uh, that the Qur'an identifies itself as a word of God, the fact that you have scientific discoveries in the 20th century and there are allusions to that by a man in the 6th century raises questions and should raise certain uh, tinklings in one's mind. How is it possible I, that an, an individual get this kind of information? Is it himself making it up or is it someone from the divine realm that is in fact I, feeding him with this information? All right. Um, the Christians have that very same claim. Go ahead, Sheikh. Yeah, look, uh, the first point about... I, I, I hear and I know where you're coming from, whether it's a faith or whether it's a fact. And I think when you gave the example of a, a lawyer, and all religions are saying that, and I understand what you're saying, uh, it happens in daily life. Sometimes there's only one witness to a, to a crime. There's yes. nobody else. There's no other evidence but the person himself. And sometimes person. there's no and evidence you know at all. Yes. Who makes a ruling? There's no document. There's no other evidence. There's yes. no uh, empirical evidence, but there's the person themselves. Yes. A child is born, and as he grows up, he says, "That's my father and mother." He's got no evidence. Yes. He wasn't there. He's got to take the testimony of those around. So I'm coming back. So I agree with you. When in matters like this, but you got to then verify the testimony. As far as other religions and other scriptures, what yes. they are saying. I come back to my original point. We believe, from an Islamic point of view, that God is the one God. He sent all prophets, with, and many he gave books. Many was already in Africa. There were many prophets in Africa, African prophets, and everywhere else. But it was oral tradition. By and large, it was oral tradition. Yes. So we believe the testimony of people uh, is evident. The courts do that too. You are asking now me to tell an illiterate man in, in, in the middle of uh, somewhere uh, that proved to me this is your mother. He's got no means of DNA, he's got no means, but he, he takes it on the testimony of yeah. those around him. So, but the internal evidence, you see, if you look at him, hey, your nose is like your father, and your walk is like Indeed. your mother, your features are like them. So you have what we call the genotype and phenotypic uh, uh, manifestations in the person to prove that, because you have to take it, but not everything, uh, Brisson Naya, 
is evidence that you're asking for. Indeed. There are things that will be, have to be accepted on testimony of a person. Even the court accepts the testimony of witness of one person if it's proved to be true. And right now, you know, 1.5 billion people testify on this. And that same Quran that was revealed is the same Quran being recited today. You know, and that's the living testimony. There's no exact words that were in the cave 1,400 years ago, which Isaiah spoke about, is the same verses every Muslim in every country of the world is reciting. It's a continuous tradition unbroken. And All right. that's a living testimony. You see, Mr. Sh- uh, Hassan, Sh- Sheikh uh, Rafiq Hassan, I appreciate that. That's a very honest statement, and I will not go beyond that. When we are going to say there is evidence and we are unable to adduce that evidence, that's what creates a problem. But if you're going to say to me, I don't have the evidence, I believe this because of what you've just told me right now, the resemblance in all the ways of extrapolating from what you have, that's fair and balanced. I have no issue with that. But a person that. can be the testimony. A I person understand. can be an evidence. I, have no di- I think you are missing out. Uh, I have no issue with that. I would, so, I would, so I would wish we that we back... that Jesus was the testimony to God's message and he proved it in his in daily life and in, in the many wonders that he did. And if Moses, peace be upon him, said he received revelation and he proved it by many ways, why must we doubt the man? And if Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, I'm receiving this revelation, you have to take sometimes a testimony by a person as the witness. You can't have something other than that. How else are you going to know anything? The, the process of knowledge is from the known to the unknown. Yes. And, and that's the process of didactics and, and, and epistemology, that one only gets to know things from didactic and deductive reasoning. You cannot, uh, something doesn't just fall on your table with a DNA print on it. All right. I, I totally agree with you. But by the way, you're making a mistake to say that why should we challenge because we challenge everyone and everything. They challenged Jesus during his time. They challenged Noah yeah, during his time, yeah. Abraham and so forth. All these people, they would challenge you during your time. So sure. I don't understand why we should not be able to challenge no, it. If we, we should challenge. All right. Challenge Let's move on. We should challenge. All right. And I want to open I, the I, line I, to, I, to the guests. Hold on. I want to open. Just hold on. Don't hold on, Mr. Ismail. Yeah. Hold on. We need to bring in the callers here because this is not sure. just my, my, my time. 0891 08. Nine one one zero four two zero seven, and then we have the SMS line uh, for those who'd like to send your text message. All right, and then we will uh, take your text messages, and then we'll come back to our guests for them to respond to all of this. We'll take a break and come back shortly after this. Naye Lupondwana on facts of faith. All right, we're taking your calls and your text messages. The calls in 0891-104207 and your text messages to 40938. Let's go to the lines. D in Cape Town. Good morning, D. Um, in volume 8, um, number 658 in the Bukhari, the Sarif Bukhari, it says that uh, Muhammad was bewitched. So how do we not, how, we don't know if it comes from a divine source, but a fallen angel source, which is demonic. Also, you know, the angel Gabriel was supposed to come to Muhammad and give him these words. Well, what I don't understand is if he was a holy angel and he came from God, because all holy angels are sent by God, he would have known that um, Muhammad could not um, read or write. So he would not have given words to an illiterate person um, to give to everybody if he couldn't read and write. He would have given it to a person who could um, read and write, he was, who was illiterate. So what I don't understand is God, you know, he, he runs the whole universe. But is our God so stupid that he sends an angel to a person who is illiterate, who can't read and write, to give a message to somebody else? No, God runs the whole universe. So he is smart enough 
to give a message to a holy angel to go and give it to a person who can read and write, which was actually Mary who received the message that she would conceive the Lord Jesus Christ. You're making fair word. points there, um, Adi. But can I ask you, when you say the Bukhari, are you referring to the Sahih al-Bukhari? One yes. of the Hadith collections? It's the Sahih in the Bukhari. Volume 8, number 658. It says Muhammad was bewitched. All right, just hold and that, that line. Hold that line. I'd like to get that clarification from Yusuf and Sheikh Hassan. Uh, Yusuf, Ismail, are you aware of this claim? Yeah, look, Bukhari, firstly, just to Hold on, just the claim. Claude, we need to be able to let her go if you understand the claim. Are you aware of the claim in the Bukhari? No, no I, I, know, I know what she's basically okay. referring Sheikh, to. Okay, Sheikh, do you know what she's referring to? Yeah. Yes. All right, just hold. Just write that question down and we'll have you guys respond after that. Thank you very much, Dee. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Bye. All right, write down both questions about Mohammed being asked to read and the other angel is supposed to know that he cannot read. Let's move on to the next call. Uh, Dr. Mashola. Good morning, Dr. Mashola. How are you, Nay? Well, thank you, sir. Go ahead. I can't really comprehend. I just need to ask um, Sheikh something. He referred to the book of Deuteronomy. And then where um, um, Moses prophesied that uh, God shall raise a prophet among his brethren. And I think his, and, and historical fact that is uh, known is that uh, Moses was a Hebrew coming from the Jewish nation. So if he's saying that uh, he's trying to pin Muhammad to that uh, uh, prophet that uh, Deuteronomy was actually referring to, whereas Muhammad himself, he wasn't a Jew, and we all know it is even there inside the Quran that uh, the, the Muslims, they actually hate the Jews. It is written there inside their book Where? that um, God is going to destroy them. So how does he pin the two? How does he correlate the two between that prophecy that says that God will raise a prophet among his own brethren? And then he takes a, a prophet Muhammad, and I don't understand that. Can you please just try to reconcile that for us? Just hold on, Dr. Mashallah. When you're saying it is written in the Quran that, that Muslims hate Jews, can you refer us to where it says Muslims hate Jews? Um, I, I, I could have actually looked uh, for that uh, particular text actually before I called, but I was a Muslim previously myself. So, and I think that even himself, the Sheikh, he would be able to, 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 to even agree with me um, right. um, about Sheikh, that. Sheikh, do you know that claim? The only thing is that, is, that, is that I am actually driving. If I had actually okay. not been driving, I could have just stopped and um, quickly just looked for that text. I would have given it to you. All right. So, Sheikh, do you know that the text in the Quran that says Muslims hate Jews? No, there is no such text. Yusuf Ismail, do you know that, that text? Jews at all. In fact, uh, hold on, hold on, Sheikh, hold on. We're just part of the Abrahamic family. Sheikh, well you'll get the opportunity to respond. To Abraham, Sheikh. And that answers the question. All right, we have lost Dr. Mashola there. Uh, let's move on to ZD in KZN. ZD, good morning. Hello, uh, hello, Naya, and uh, uh, to your guest as well. I mm -hmm. just want to bring to your notice, Naya, that you uh, asked a question. Yeah. And these questions uh, about uh, where in the scripture, in, in the years gone by when Prophet Muhammad... Uh, Which uh, question are you referring to, ZD? Please ask the question you saying I asked. Hello? Which question are you referring to? The, the question about uh, how he wrote the Quran, where in the Quran did you find certain scriptures? No, I never asked that question, ZD. I asked if there is any evidence to support that the angel Gabriel gave it to the prophet. Okay, Other questions me, were asked by the Let me give it listeners. to you this way, in my format. Okay. All right? God has revealed to the prophet in, uh, in vision, 
envisioned to write the Quran with his wisdom and words as a form of a spiritual guide and teachings to mankind to refrain society from going astray. But the Prophet, as a lady mentioned, the Prophet had did not read and did not know how to read and write. So God asked him to learn how to read and write because God asked him to ikra. Ikra means read, read, read. Uh, then only he could re- reveal the Quran or write the Quran. God did not ask him to write the Quran while he was still uh, uh, not literate. Okay, thank you very much, Zati. Okay. Appreciate your calls. Go to Suleiman and Kaiser and still. Good morning, Suleiman. Hello. Yes, Good morning, Nair. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Nair. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, sir. I greet you in the name, in the, in the greetings of Jesus. Assalamu alaikum. May peace be upon you. Uh, with respect to your, your, your topic today, is the Quran the Word of God? I will quote you a verse, Surah Kahaf, which is Surah 18, verse number 1, which says, Praise be to Allah who had sent to his servant the book and had allowed therein no crookedness. For the Muslim, this is ultimate proof that this book is, and there are so many other proofs that this book is direct revelation from Almighty. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Bye-bye. Let me read some text messages, and that will give our guests the opportunity to respond to all the questions and the text messages that I'm about to read right now. One reads up to Abraham, the Quran, the Bible, don't really differ. Thereafter, the Bible is about Isaac's descendants and the Quran, that of Ishmael. That text message is not signed. Please sign your text messages. And another one reads, All prophets refer to Jesus, not Mohammed, as the one that will come. That's Clementine P.E. Another one says, Is there evidence presently right now outside the Quran that testifies, verifies, and vindicate the Quran as the word of God? That's Siandam Dain Lusigisik in this in Cape, echoing mine there. Another one says, I find it very odd and strange that both your guests admit that not only the Quran is the word of God. The Quran can't be the word of God. Siandam Da again in Lusigisik. Siandam, please clarify how you're saying it can't. Another one says, if a person testifies to having experienced alien encounter and abduction in a UFO, I'm assuming UFA means unidentified flying object, should we take that as a fact and now believe in aliens? A person's testimony cannot be construed as fact. That is not signed. Please, again, sign your text messages. Another one reads, why was there a need for the Quran, word of God, to be revealed if the Torah and the Gospel of Jesus and Bible already existed during the time of the apparent revelation? Hashtag facts of faith. Those are text messages. and We have more, but we have our guests respond to these. I'm going to begin with you, Sheikh Rafiq Hassan. You have questions from the callers. Kindly respond. Uh, yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a big load there, Naya. But look, uh, I think very quickly, uh, uh, the, the, the caller that said about he doesn't see the link between Muhammad and Moses. Well, I gave the answer. You know that Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him, is the direct descendant uh, of uh, uh, from Abraham. So is Moses and Jesus, peace be upon him. So let's put that aside. As far as no, 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 you're not putting it aside. You're not answering this question. Big, uh, Hold on, shake, 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 shake. The word ikra doesn't mean. Hold on, shake. To... You need to answer the question. His question was. If you're claiming that this prophecy was about the Prophet Muhammad, this prophecy, according to the caller, was about Jesus. And this was about a Hebraic person who's supposed to be a Jew, not an Arab. His claim was, you cannot 
use that document, which is a Judeo-Hebraic document, to substantiate something that is not Judeo-Hebraic. And he went on to claim that as far as you guys are concerned, and as far as the Torah, the, the Quran rather, is concerned, he went to claim that the Muslims hate the Jews and there can never be a time where the Jews are going to prophesy about a Muslim. And that's when I asked him about that text. That's why the question still stands. How right. do you support a Muslim statement using a Hebrew statement? That was his well, question. Firstly, Moses did not speak Hebrew. Uh, so the person wasn't getting facts right. Moses was not a Hebrew. He was in Egypt, if you recall. And in Egypt, they were not speaking Hebrew. So I want to just say something. The brethren, the Quran says, and the Bible, 18 says, they were the brethren of Moses. Moses is not like Jesus, because Jesus was born without a father, and Adam and, and Muhammad and Moses were born with a father and mother. Uh, you know, there's no similarities between Moses and Jesus. The Quran says, I will send, the Bible says, I will send a prophet like unto you, Moses, and I will put my words in his mouth. And I want to, you know, and we don't hate the Jews. The prophet, peace be one, married two Jewish ladies in his lifetime. Two Jewish ladies he married. Now, if we hated Jews, why did he marry them? I think the people, in fact, what is happening now, you find what Israel is doing to the Palestinians, it's showing you how they're hating, it's the other way around, how Israel is hating the Palestinians. Muslims, the Quran does not say we hate Jews. Finally, I want to clarify a point, I think it's very important, if you allow me. The word Ikra does not mean to read, it also means to recite. Ikra means recite after me, repeat after me. So I want to pray, that's what was being said, because the, in Deuteronomy 18, 18, God said, I will put my words in his mouth. He didn't say I will make him write the words. He says, I will make him to memorize it and repeat it. And the living testimony, I'll just because I'm trying to answer a few in one, the person says, can you give me a proof right now? Well, the proof right now, uh, Mr. Naya, is there are, you know, one billion t Muslims in the world today who are reciting that Quran from memory exactly as it was revealed. You burn all the Qurans today. Take every Quran and burn it and leave one as a reference, and we Muslims will rewrite it because the, the real Quran is not a book. The real Quran is what Deuteronomy 18.18 says. I will put my words in it. We Muslims have by hearted and memorized it. You cannot destroy it. All right. Um, Yusuf, a smile. There are questions that were asked by some of the callers. One of the questions is, if Muslims believe that the Quran is the true word of God, how is it that the angel Gabriel would ask a person that they supposed to know can't read to read? Are you able to respond to that, Yusuf? Yeah, not? okay, that, that, that's an interesting question, basically. Again, I think it's more specifically a misunderstanding of the terminology there. The word in Arabic is ikra. Ikra means to proclaim or to recite, in other words, to repeat. So the traditional Islamic account is that when the archangel, when the Prophet Muhammad was meditating in the cave, the, and this is part of the biographical narrative, it's not contained in the Quran, it's stories about the Prophet, how he reveal, uh, received revelation. The story goes is that the angel came to him, and in Arabic the word, or he experienced some sort of trance, where he was told ikra. Ikra means to simply repeat, to proclaim, to recite. Now, this doesn't mean that the angel came and commanded him to read and write with a pen. He could not read or recite. Again goes, that again goes and defeats the whole notion which was read, um, raised by one of your previous callers, a lady from Cape Town. Why would God send a revelation to an unlettered prophet? Well, from an Islamic perspective, that's one of the miracles of the Quran. That here you have a man who was totally unlettered, who could not read or write, and the Quran says that if indeed you could read or write, then this would itself be evidence of the fact that you basically could have possibly manufactured the Quranic text. 
So someone who does not come from a literary background and produces a text of such a magnitude to Arabs who had reached the zenith of their literary peak, that in itself is basically a miracle. So it defeats the whole notion which you raise that why would God give an unlettered prophet revelation? Well, that's the whole point of it. The point of it is here you have a person who cannot read and write and is producing a text which cannot be rivaled by any Arab at that particular point in time. So again, just to correct a misunderstanding, Ikra means to proclaim, it means to repeat, it could mean to recite, but effectively he was not told to read and write, he was not told to write down something, he was just simply told to repeat. Um, and so I think just to conclude on that point... Um, d- d- hold on, um, I'll no, give you yeah. an opportunity to conclude because our time is going to run out. Sure. Um, the issue of a definition, the explanation of that definition, that caller did not suck it out of her thumb. It was you gentlemen who said, and you were reciting. You said he was told, hold on, you guys said he was told to read and he said, I cannot read. That explanation of the word Ikra came from you gentlemen. It is not something that came from a call. No, no, but but I think you're missing the point, Janai, and it's important. He was told to recite. He misunderstood what was being meant. He says he cannot read. And then he's made to basically repeat after what is revealed to him. So from his perspective, when he gets this particular divine source coming to him, he's obviously going to be shocked. And obviously the immediate response is what is happening. Okay. And then he's being told Let to take read. take a break and, and, says, and well, come I back. Read. So from a human perspective, his response was natural. And again goes to show that the man was born a feeder. Right. To the totality that it was not fabricated, he's not making it up, and not his thumb sucking it and trying to foist a new religion. All right. I'm going to take a break people. and come back and give you gentlemen both an opportunity to, to give your closing remarks. And by the way, no one here is challenging his good faith or his bona fides. We're simply trying to get the evidence to support the claim. We'll take a break and come back in shortly after this. Join Lorna Maseko as she assists ordinary South Africans and celebrities in throwing the event of their dreams. The Hostess, Tuesdays at 8.30. And when you think you know it all, Vui will teach you a thing or two about cars. Driving in heels, Tuesdays at 9. Then we get to travel the world with Uyanda Mbuli. We explore her lifestyle as she mixes with the world's creme de la creme. Uyanda, it's on, Wednesdays at 9. SABC3, the stage is yours. Naye Lupondwana on Facts of Faith. All right, we have five minutes, and gentlemen, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give your closing remarks. Two minutes each. I'm going to begin with you, Sheikh Rafiq Hassan. Your closing remarks. Go ahead. Oh, read in Arabic it means read, recite, and it could mean to repeat after me. Look out in English. Look out means look outside. Look out. But look out means watch out. Don't put your head out. So it, the first uh, ikra, the prophet took it to mean I must, re- I must read. You know, something you give me to read. So I think let's get that out of the way. It's recite. I want to conclude by saying if we take come the whole Quran, the actual Quran that came was oral. It was what was said in Deuteronomy, and I'll put my words in his mouth. We keep one copy and, and burn all the Qurans in the world. The Muslim will re- reproduce it from the first page to the last page. Whole 114 chapters, 6,660 verses to the letter. Every month in the month of Ramadan, we have Hufas. We have people who have by hearted and memorized the entire Quran as old as seven years. And they stand in the front in the mosque at night and, and recite the whole Quran from memory. So the Quran is a living memory. The exact words that was put into the mouth and memorized by the Prophet, peace on him, who gave his companions who memorized it. And they also wrote it as a backup. And so we have one Quran in the whole world. You go north, south, east, west. We don't have a, this Quran and a separate Quran for this. This 
everyone in that group. We have one Quran, and that's a living testimony. It's the same Quran that came down. It's the same revelation that gave God gave to all the prophets from the same angel Gabriel, peace be upon him. And so we are saying that. The, and the question was, why did was there another revelation? Why does Toyota, you know, come with another car with another manual? As time goes on, the later models needs a later manual. At the time of, of Moses and Jesus, peace be upon the world wasn't as advanced. The Quran came into the scientific era and the literate era. That's why the first verse came was to recite and to be scientific. Alama bil qalam, alama insan, alak, embryology, science. So Islam came with the last, it was God's plan. It's not that there was anything wrong with the teachings of Moses and Jesus and Noah, peace be upon Each was good for the time. But the Quran came for the, that current time, which is the time of technology, the era of science, and the era of learning. All right, and I, I have to give to look at it that Yusuf Ismail the no closer. Make, the Quran is clear. We do not make any distinction between the revelations given to the previous prophets. All right. Each one was a divine revelation. Sheikh, relevant for we need to give time, Yusuf Ismail an opportunity to speak. the last testament because it's the latest model before the end of time. All right. Let's let's give you an opportunity to speak. Also, I've got you. two minutes. Am I correct? Yes. Go ahead, sir. Okay. I just want to put my time uh, correct here, and uh, just okay. Like just firstly, the Prophet Muhammad, for example, had a lifelong reputation of being truthful. So people have a right to challenge it. Maybe the man was a forger. Maybe he invented it. Well, when many of his people turned against him and the message of the Quran, he still re- retained a reputation of being trustworthy and truthful. Even at the time of the revelation. Pagans refused to accept his message, but they still gave him their belongings for safekeeping, which shows that the man was bona fide. The second point which I made was that the Quran identifies itself as a word of God, and the literary style is as if God himself, for example, is speaking. It says, this is a book, this is a revelation which we send down to thee. The Quran is always universalist in nature. It doesn't address Muslims. It, for example, says in Surah 49, verse 13, O humanity, we created you from a single pair, made you into nations and tribes, that you may recognize each other, not that you may despise each other. Uh, the Quran identifies itself as being sent down by inspiration. It says, um, God has made the prophet to proclaim, this Quran has been revealed to me by inspiration, that I may warn you and all whom it reaches. The purpose of the Quran, the why, why was it sent down? Well, the Quran identifies that it was sent down as an express purpose, so that it could make clear those things in which people differ, and fundamentally as a primary book of guidance to humanity. Uh, it identifies itself in numerous ways. I pointed out that the prophet's personal speech which is collected in the Hadith, like Bukhari, does not match the speech of the Qur'an. So if the Prophet basically invented the Qur'an or wrote it down, how is it possible that he could maintain two different styles of speech patterns over a period of 23 years? Many linguistic scholars have pointed out that this is a you know, physiological and psychological impossibility. The portrayal of Muhammad. Here you have an individual, if he wanted to present himself, he could have elevated himself. Yet you find within the Qur'anic text, the Qur'an identifies and portrays Muhammad as a man that is infallible and has certain, for example, shortcomings. It, for example, even corrects him in points where he is incorrect. Now, if someone was going to promote himself, why would he basically write a book which basically goes and censures him on certain particular points? All right, Other thank you very much, Yusuf Ismail. Your two minutes is up, sir. There's an abundance of falsification tests and I thought you set your Quran, timer, Yusuf Ismail. in the 6th century. Thank you. All right. Um, we're going to read some text messages and conclude our conversation right here. One reads, if Christ is the word, why another word? That text message again is not signed. Another sense says, Naya, we are mostly taught how to pray at an early age without knowing how to read and write. That's Pops from Kronstadt. Another one says, hi Naya, Yusuf runs around like many lawyers that normally avoid the truth. We all in this world told each other about God, nothing from God at all. That's fantasy. 
SJ or is that a fantasy? I don't know what that means right there. And that's how we're going to conclude our conversation for today. Yusuf Ismail, attorney at Legal Aid South Africa and a consultant with the Islamic Propagation Center International. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us and also to Sheikh Rafiq Hassan from the Islamic Interfaith Research Institute, the founder and director there. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. For all of you, this is a series of conversations of interrogating all these books. We start with the Bible. Today, it's the Quran. We're next time I'm going to be finding out about more other documents. I'm sure you understand there's many other documents out there. From me, Nayelo Pondona and the team, have a wonderful day and Godspeed. Up next, the news.